going to be going verse by verse today by the help of the Holy Ghost, and I believe God's going to help us, and uh, the Lord's going to bless us today. And I don't know exactly how everything will end up in the service today, except I do know this, that at the end of service, as our custom is, we will be praying together and believing that God is going to give us breakthroughs in every individual that desires a breakthrough today in this service. I don't come to church wasting my time or your time. We come here and we mean business because we want to make sure that everyone who is in need gets to be close to Jesus Christ. Uh, this Early on this year, I will be doing a, a salvation series, and I'll be talking about salvation. I'll be talking all things salvation because I feel like the Lord has spoken to me that we will not be able to help people if we don't talk about the key components of Scripture, and that is that people are lost and Jesus is their Savior. Your money, your friends, your relationships is all secondary. We must have a walk with Jesus, and we must be saved. It is number one, it is paramount, and who cares if you gain the world and lose your soul? There are so many deceived people in our world who do not know the Word of God. There's a famine of the Word of God, and people do not realize that they are lost right now. They're lost in churches. They're lost all over the world because we have not been preaching and teaching the Word of God. We've been talking about wealth, and we've been talking about finances. We've been talking about having your best life on the earth, and we've completely missed that we are eternal beings. And this word is all that matters. And Jesus did not come to make us rich. He came to make us saved. He did not come to give us all kinds of boyfriends and girlfriends and friends. He came to get us to be saved. And by the help of the Holy Ghost for a while, we're going to make sure that you and I are ready, that our family and friends are ready, because it doesn't matter if we gain the world and lose our souls. It does not matter. Jesus is very serious about us being saved, very serious Today in the Holy Ghost, the Lord uh, told me to talk about the second sword, the second sword. Honestly, uh, at this point, you probably know as much as I do about that. I have the Word of God, and I have an inspiration from God, but I'm going to be using verse by verse from Matthew chapter 10, and the reason why I sat you down is because I need to go verse by verse, because I'm going to teach a little bit from this reference today. At some point in here, the revelation of the second sword is going to come out, I believe I already know a lot about it, but it may develop into more. And we're going to talk about the second sword and what it means today. This is a very militant message. Today is a very serious word today because today is all about us individually making sure that we are connected to Jesus Christ on an individual basis. I completely agree with the power and the beauty of the body of Christ. But I know that this is an individual walk with God that we're supposed to seek out Jesus Christ, and our own salvation for ourselves. No one can make us be saved. No one can make you be lost. Your marriage can't stop you. Being single can't stop you. Being poor can't stop you. Being rich might can stop you. Because it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven. But there are no excuses. We must understand the passion for which Jesus has for us to be with him. And I want you to catch that in Matthew 10. Are you ready? Everybody say in Jesus' name. Everybody say the second sword. Verse, chapter 10, verse 1. You can see behind me here, New King James Version. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power. We're just going to, I'm going to, you have to forgive me because 
I feel such an anointing on the Word of God lately. When I read it, I feel such a power reading it that I can almost not even have to preach it because I feel like such a, a strength and belief on it that as we go through verse by verse, I need you to feel the anointing of the Word of God as I read it to you, and I will pause and I will talk about it, but, but look at everything and imagine that Jesus is talking to you right now. Believe that you are a disciple. Look at this. He called the disciples to him, and he gave them power over unclean spirits. Do you know that we have the power over unclean spirits? I'm talking to you for identity right now for a moment. We have got to see ourselves as the disciples of Jesus in 2022. We are his people. We are his disciples. And when the Bible says he gave power to disciples, I believe he gave it to me. And I believe he gave it to you. And I believe that we have power over unclean spirits. He gave us power to cast those unclean spirits out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. Now, you watch this because the Holy Ghost is going to actually use names to create a break in the Spirit today. Watch this. Here's the names of the 12 apostles that received the power that Jesus gave them. First, Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bar Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. <laughs> I love how, how in the Bible, I love how it talks about the titles of who they are. I love how it mentions some things about them. I love how he talks about the heritage of some of these people and their public positions. And he says, I gave people like that power. I love how the Bible is very specific, how it says that Matthew, the tax collector, that obviously nobody believed in because he was the worst of society, also received power. I love how the Bible goes into detail so that someone out there right now who thinks you have no reputation knows that Jesus will pick you and he will use you. Yes, you, the tax collector, can be somebody that can be used powerfully by Jesus. James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Stadius, Simon the Canaanite, and let's not forget, he also gave Judas Iscariot. Well, who's that? It says right here in verse number, uh, verse number four, he was the one who would betray him. Well, that's kind of weird. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, and he still gave him the same power as everybody else. In fact, did you know, Fun fact, that nobody knew that Judas was going to betray except Jesus. Because Jesus is so good, he will treat you the same as the worst person in the church. Does anybody feel that right now in the Holy Ghost? Even Judas, let me just preach here for a moment, even Judas with intentions to betray, was not treated differently. Even Judas, who had intentions to betray, was given power to cast out unclean spirits and do miracles and do signs and do wonders. And nobody in the discipleship group even knew that Jesus knew. How should we treat Judas we treat Judas the same as everybody else. I just feel like some bad spirits on that person that, that, that is working in the kingdom. You know, it's all right because even Jesus treats the worst of us the same as the best of us. 
Wow. And the Bible says in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out and he commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles because we know through other scripture contexts it was not time for them to go to the Gentiles. They first were going to go to the house of the Lord, the people of God, the Israelites, the Jews. It says, do not even go to those who are Samaritans. But verse 6, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cleanse the lepers. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cast out the demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two coats, two tunics, nor sandals, nor staff, for a worker is worthy of his food. I'm going to send you out, and I'm going to send you so spontaneously that you won't even need to take anything or prepare because everything that you do in ministry, there'll be people there to take care of you along the journey. Notice what's happening here. Jesus is sending out his people, and they're going out on a limb of faith. Now, this is dangerous and scary talk. Most of us would not do this. But what's happening here is Jesus is getting serious about the kingdom, and he's beginning to send out his disciples, and he's telling them that you won't need to prepare or take anything with you because everything you'll have need of is going to be provided out there. Look at the disconnect. Look at the trust. Look at them. him saying, you won't need anything but me. This is the theme. you got to catch the theme. It's going to keep building to the second sword in a minute. But look at the theme because when you study the scripture, you look at the overall theme. You don't pull out a scripture and preach a doctrine. You look at the entire context. What's happening is Jesus is getting them disconnected from needing anything but him. I felt the Holy Ghost right when I said that. He's saying you don't need the earthly things like you think you do. But, but I have to first make sure my finances are in order to do the will of God. No, you don't. Lean on me. But i got to make sure I pack my bags first. No, you don't. Lean on me. But i got to think through this. i got to be smart, Jesus. No, you don't. you got to be submissive. you got to be obedient. you got to go by faith. You don't need anything. You just need me. Quit making excuses. You just need me. Woo! Hear the word of the Lord today, somebody. Everything you need will be provided for you on the journey. Now, now keep, keep flowing here. Let's keep flowing until we get to the second sword. Now, whatever city or town that you enter, inquire who, is, who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. That's Bible talk for go into a town and see who's hungry and who wants to receive the word of God. Stay in that town as long as they're receiving. And when you go into a household, you greet it. And if the household is worthy, if they're like, hey, we're glad you're here, we're glad you're here, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And, and, and let's find out what he's saying. Look at verse number 14. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or that city, because if they don't want you, you got to go. You don't stay connected to people who don't want you. Look at the separation again. Look at the separation. You don't go cling to something that's not fruitful. If it's not fruitful, you go. Remember, you're in this for me, not you. Remember, this is not about your ministry. It's not about you doing it your way. It's about you doing it my way. You don't need them. You need me. So if they don't want you, then you go to someone that does. 
this whole thing is about walking by faith, not needing anything stable. Totally, totally dependent on Jesus. So he says here, don't worry about it. Now look what he says here about those who reject the word of God. It says here in verse 14, when you depart from the house that rejected you or the city that rejected the message, the gospel, shake off the dust from your feet. Hear the word of the Lord today, somebody. Verse 15, assuredly, I say to you, it'll be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than the city that rejects the gospel. Than the home that rejects the gospel. It'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah. Do y'all know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? It was a land, a godless land of homosexuality, of people doing whatever they wanted. It was lawless. It was nasty. It was filthy. It was abusive. That was the place of Sodom and Gomorrah. Look what Jesus said. It'll be worse for those who reject the New Testament gospel plan of salvation and Jesus your king than those back in the day who were the worst sinners. Do you know the greatest condemnation? The greatest condemnation of those who have been offered something and rejected it. The greatest condemnation is those who have been handed an opportunity and said no. The greatest condemnation is to be offered the free gift of God and to walk out this church service today. How can you look at the goodness of Jesus and look at all that he has to give us and reject it? It'll be worse for us. It'll be worse for us who've been in church a long time. See, see the, 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 the principle? The exposure condemns you. Condemned by exposure. Condemned because you had so many messages on Jesus. Condemned because you knew better, because you had a Bible, because there were no excuses. You could go look it up on the Internet anytime. You can never say, I didn't know. Condemned by exposure, because we have been given such an exposure to the goodness of God. We'll have a greater condemnation, because we heard, heard it all of the time. The greatest condemnation is exposure. It's being accessible and yet rejecting it. It's having Jesus right before you and saying, I don't want it. It's having a message extended to you and saying, I reject it. It's having the opportunity and not taking it. He said it'll be worse for you. Now we shift a little bit into the persecutions that come with launching out into the deep without anybody to hang on to, anything in the world. Look at what happens next. Verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but beware of men. For they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. There will be persecution with this life walking with Jesus. I need that to be absolutely clear to everyone right now. That if you are truly a Christian, you at some point will be persecuted in some way. A good barometer or way of measuring whether or not you're a Christian is if somebody's trying to persecute you for it. If nobody ever persecutes you, you might not be a Christian. I know we all want to judge our Christianity off of how much people like us, but there's also where you judge your Christianity off of who hates you. I'm trying to encourage somebody right now, if you're hated and you're a Christian, 
I want to encourage somebody right now that people don't like you because you're a Christian. I want to encourage somebody right now that you're not the most popular person on the job because you stand for righteousness and you know your coworkers don't like you. And you've thought about quitting or giving up, but I want to encourage you right now in the Holy Ghost and tell you, you might be doing everything just right. You might be doing everything just right. And people hate your guts. Even sometimes in church, people can hate you because you're right. So today in the Holy Ghost, what's going to happen is I'm going to help encourage someone and tell you that you can be right in the will of God and be hated. Have social issues. Feel alone. Have anxiety. Right in the will of God. Yes, it's possible. Look what he says in verse 18. You'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake. As a testimony to them and the Gentiles. Watch this. Y'all ready? I'm going to let them bring you up and talk trash about you, not so they can get it off their chest and hurt you, so that you can be a testimony for me. I'm going to let their hate reveal your love. I'm going to let you be the one on fire on the stand. I'm going to let you be the one at Christmas parties everybody laughs at. I'm going to let you be the one they hate on the job. Because they need to see the love inside of you. I'm going to let you be elevated to a place where you have the spotlight on you and they don't like you because they need to be exposed to you. Your persecution isn't about you. It's about them. Your persecution is not about you. Quit being so offended. Quit being so mad all the time. They're the ones that are lost. They're the ones that are broken. They're the ones that need your love and need grace and need the gospel preached. Quit letting people that hate you get you so triggered all the time. It goes with the territory of being a Christian. If you're a Christian, a Christ follower, people will hate you. And if you love the applaud of people, you won't be a very good Christian. We have to get better at going out into a world that wants to destroy us. They need us to testify to them. Verse 19, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you. Look, he told them don't worry about, he said leave, and then he said don't take anything. And now he says don't prepare notes. Y'all see the theme here? He's everything in this scripture, everything I'm teaching you today is all about the disconnect from needing anything prepared because he's enough. Look what it says. It says don't even prepare your notes because there's no way, oh, I just felt something in the Holy Ghost. There's no way to prepare for what's about to happen. I just wish I knew everything that was about to happen next so I could get ready for it. There is no way to know what's about to happen next. That's why you've got to know the Jesus that's going to take you to the next place because there's no way to prepare for what's about to happen. In your marriage, in this church, in this world, there is no way to predict where we're headed. But you can lean on Jesus, and it can be enough for you. We don't have the clothes, don't have the words, don't have the friends. Jesus is enough for you. Look what he's trying to do. He's trying to get people to be completely dependent on him. Look at the relationship between anointing and disconnection. Look at the look at the look at the the big picture here. What's happening? He's saying if you get away from this world and you connect to me, I'll supply everything you have need of. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness. What that means is seek first the kingdom of God, his desire, and seek his righteousness. Seek to be right with him. Not with your neighbors all the time. Not with your friends down the road all the time. You can't please everybody all the time. But you can always please Jesus. You can always make sure you're right with him. You can always make sure you're right with him. And if you make sure you're right with Jesus, he'll provide everything for the journey. He'll even give you the words to say. When the spotlight's on you and you're standing before judges and rulers, you don't know what you're going to say. This is life or death for you. If you don't say it right, you could be killed for it. And look what Jesus says. I will give you the words to say. Do not worry. Somebody say, do not worry. In, in the spirit of anxiety in our day, do not worry about, about what, how, or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. Our God wants to be a very present help in the time of need, at the hour of need. I know you want to be smart and you want to plan everything, but Abram was called to walk. And he didn't even know where. He just was called to walk. And the Lord said, everywhere that you go, everywhere you go, I'll give you when you get there. He said, Abram, I'm going to give you the land, but you've got to get to it before I give it to you. And in the name of Jesus, we've got to be a church, a people of God, a Christian, that we get what we need when we're there. You know why you're not getting what you need? Because you're not there. You've got to get there to get what you need there. Because what you need is not where you are. What you need is where you're going. You've got to get there to get the word. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost talking to somebody right now. You're trying to get a word before you're even there. But you've got to get there before even the Lord will speak to you. You sitting back going, God, when you tell me how it's all going to go, then I'll go. He said, go, and then I'll help you. He said, go, and then I'll teach you. He said, go, and then I'll pay you. I'll go if I know how much I'll make. No, you go and then you find out how much you make. I'll go if I know I have enough clothes. No, you go and then you'll get the clothes. Complete dependency on Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Help us today, Lord. We lean on you, God, in the last days. You're all so scared. I speak in the name of Jesus. You're so afraid of the last days because you plan everything out in Jesus' lap. But the times are shifting. Well, we must learn to live and breathe and walk according to the will of God every day in obedience to him and submission because we have no way to prepare for what's about to happen in this nation. You know why you love the end time prophets? Because you don't want to live by faith. Y'all. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I didn't think about that. I didn't premeditate that. I'm telling you, there's are people that want to know everything that's about to happen because you're so afraid. You're not excited. You're afraid. You want to know whether the, the world's going to end so you can go plant trees. There's no way to be prepared for the end times unless Jesus is your rock, unless Jesus is your anchor, unless you have learned how to live according to faith. There is no way for us to know. That's why it's all so murky and all so gray. That's why end time prophecy is not perfect because there's never going to be a prophecy that takes away your dependency. Woo, I felt the Holy Ghost. Never will you get a word from God so much to where you cannot need him. Now I know why I'm, I'm preaching this today. 
I feel that fear. I feel that fear and that anxiety of the last days because, because we're so used to having everything. Y'all, our family's about to, about to go crazy. We can't get almond milk. That's what I use for my coffee. And I'm, I'm telling you, you want to see me think about quitting everything. When I can't get almond milk, I can't have my lattes. It's, it's about to go down, okay? Y'all watch me. I will, go, I, will go make some, I will go have an almond vineyard, whatever that is. I mean, I will go make me a tree forest of almonds, and I will sell it and be rich because, yo, we don't know what to do when we can't get our, our food and we can't get our stuff. We're so used to, to having everything handed to us. It's like, it's like we feel so unstable right now, and the shipment won't come, and I can't get that, and I can't get this. It's almost like we got to lean on Jesus. And we don't know. And we're not ready because we were told to not need anything but Jesus. Wow. Just hitting against that wall. Just chipping against that spirit. Do not worry. I will give you the words to say in the last days. I will give you the words to say at Thanksgiving, surrounded by atheists. I'll give you the words to say on the job in the moment. Don't premeditate it. Just walk with Jesus. He'll give you the words to say. You don't even know how you're going to say it or what you're going to say. But in the hour that you need it, the Lord will give it. By the way, I am practicing what I'm preaching right now. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I can't miss verse 20. For it is not you who speaks. But the spirit of your father who speaks in you. The Lord just spoke to me and said, if you have his spirit, he can't go broke. He can't be naked. And he won't run out of words. The Holy Ghost just spoke to me to tell you if you have the spirit of the Father, you have the spirit of provision. You've got everything you'll ever need. You know that he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And if you've got the Father's spirit, you've got access to the Father's treasures. And he'll give it to you when you need it. I just saw the prodigal boys in my mind when I said that. I saw the youngest run away because he didn't get what he wanted. He wanted everything. And then I saw the oldest was mad. And the father looked at the oldest and said, why are you mad? I had the cow the whole time. You could have had it any time you wanted it. Don't you know anything that I have can be given to you in the hour that you need it? But you know the only way to access the thing you need when you need it is to stay in the father's house. Because when you get away from the Father's house, you run out of what you thought you had to have to make it. The Spirit gives us what we need in the moment that we need it. Living by faith is so much more, so much more free than having to pre-plan everything. Now listen to the, to the context scenario. Watch what's going to happen to the people that depend on Jesus and live by faith. Now brother, in verse 21, now brother will deliver up brother to death and a father his child. Do we scan over this part? I think we do because it's kind of hard to, to stomach. Brother will deliver up brother to death. Brother will deliver up brother to death. Not like I won't go fishing with you. Like to death. This is the real truth about walking with Jesus. You'll make enemies. And a father, his child. Huh. Before anybody acts like this is taboo, do you not realize 
how many problems in the family we have in this nation? Do you not realize how many brothers hate each other in this nation? Do you not realize how many fathers don't love their kids enough to hang around? Before you're like, I don't, I don't understand what this is talking about. I do. I pastor. I know the issues. Yeah, people will divide from you, separate from you, cut you off, even in your own home. Just like that. What, what are you saying here? This is Jesus talking. It makes sense. And verse 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, then it's okay. Just go to the next city. Y'all seeing that? You're going to be all right. If they persecute you here, then run over there. If they persecute you there, then run over there. Persecution spreads the fires of revival. Because a lot of times we won't go <laughs> preach the gospel until we're burning. Until we're uncomfortable where we are. Remember Jonah? Yeah, some people got to be swallowed by whales before they do the will of God. Persecution is used to spread the fire of revival. It can be a good thing for a good cause. But look at this. For assuredly, I say to you that you will not have gone through the city of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. And a servant like his master. Watch this. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, which is like a devil, how much more will they call those of his household a devil? If they talked about Jesus, tried to kill Jesus, hated Jesus, they will hate his followers. And the faster we figure it out, the better we'll be. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who can kill the body. Don't be afraid of those who can kill your body. Some of y'all are scared of dying. That's not the worst thing. You should be afraid of where you go when you die. You should be afraid of how you die. Not whether you'll die. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin for just a penny? And not one of them fail, falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. You see what's happening now? He's beginning to understand and feel that his disciples will be afraid going off on their own. And now he's beginning to comfort them to tell them, I know everything that's going on when you don't think that I do. I know that you only have one set of shoes. I know you don't have the money. I know you don't have the clothes. I know you don't have the words. But I know it because I even see when the sparrow falls. My father-in-law was just talking about this this week. He came to visit us, and he said there was like 300 million birds or something. Uh, I don't know. There's so many birds in the world that die every day. It's like a crazy number of estimate, and the Lord sees every single one that falls out of the sky. And then he knows the number of hair on our head. Some of y'all, it's easier than others, but, but, you know, for me, it would be very difficult. And, and the Lord sees every hair on our head. 
Do y'all realize how much hair is falling out and growing in at every second of the day? Do you realize hair is falling out and coming in and every day the Lord can get the total every second? He can know the total every second. There's all these billions of people in the world and every second our God knows the number of hair. Why are you worried about it? He knows what you're going through. He doesn't just send you. He sees you. He doesn't just send you. He sees you. So now he's starting to say, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. He knows you. He knows you. He knows you. He cares for you. We're almost getting to our closing, the second story. We're almost there. Hang with me. Are you ready? Verse 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is a relational term. Whoever does it before men. That means whoever denies me around the pressure of their peer, family, peers, family, peers, family. Whoever denies me because of the pressure, because ain't nothing can get you out of church like the pressure of your peers and your family. Whoever cannot look at their family and friends and say, I'm walking with Jesus with or without you. I will not confess you before my father. If you can't let them go on this Valentine's weekend, I see y'all's red dresses. Jaden, I see your red pretty shirt over there. Good job, bro. I see y'all's red. Oh, I, I, I know what the weekend is. I know some of y'all going on hot dates tomorrow. And I got the perfect Valentine's message for you today. I already have somebody I love more. I love you, sweetheart. I love you, Sister Green. I know you love whoever you're married to, your girlfriend, your boo, your whatever, your bae. But I got a J-bae. I got a Jesus before anybody else, okay? That's what I got. I've got a J-bae. I've got a Jesus before any. I've got somebody that I've met that's greater, that I love more, and I'm sorry, but I'm not stuck to you. I'm stuck to him. I know I've been married to you 50 years, but I, I'm not going to go to hell over you. I know that you think that we're close and we're tight, but I choose him over you. I know that I'm single and desperate. I'd rather be single and desperate and have Jesus first than marry some loser that takes me out of church. Yeah, I got your little Valentine's message slipped in there, didn't I? You know what? I'm, I didn't come here today to try to fix your marriage. I came to fix your walk with Jesus because that will fix your marriage. Pastor, talk about, you know, relationships. Help us be all good. You can't do it without the Holy Ghost inside of you. You can't do it without forgiveness and love and God inside your heart. Your home's a wreck if you don't put him first. Got to get everything back to Jesus, y'all. If you can't let your family go and put him first, he will not confess you. Now we're going to get close to the second sword and the spirit that I'm fighting today in this place. Some of you will be lost because you're letting your family hold you back. There's a lie in our hour that says it's family first. Not true. It's Jesus first. 
Jesus over your wife. Jesus over your husband. Jesus over your children. Listen to me, Isaac. Listen to me, Abraham. You've got to give that boy up. And today I've come as your pastor. I've come here today to tell you that you've got to be willing to let them go. In order for you to make sure you're right and you're saved, you've got to be willing to do what's right no matter what your family says, how they disown you, how they cut you off, how they take your money away, how they make your life a living hell. You've got to choose Jesus first. Do not let the lies of the enemy get you. Do not let anybody tell you have to have them. You don't have to have anybody from your natural family, but you must have Jesus. Must have Jesus. You must have Jesus. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what, it's like, well, we're all about family. You just got to understand, Pastor, we're all about family. You're all about the Word. You're all about Jesus. Are we Jesus people? Yes, we are. And he is first. And that means everything else doesn't matter. If Jesus says, it doesn't matter. We must submit and follow him. And now we get to the place of the second sword before we close today. Verse 34 is a shocker. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I don't want to run my Christmas message, but I need to have a little context here because if you're analytical like me and you're actually, you know the word of God when the preacher preaches, you might go, I thought that when Jesus was born, the angels were like, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. There's a, a massive difference in the language. Peace on earth is, is possible. It's a desire. But look at, the, look at the language. I did not come to, to bring. The, the King James Version says to send. That's a big difference. The King James Version says, I did not come to send peace. What that means is, is whenever you choose me and you don't choose your family, it will create division. They will hate you. If you are seeking peace among your brothers and your sisters, you cannot have peace in the world and choose Jesus at the same time. That's why we are not for a one-world government. A one-world government will force us to submit to one rule, not his rules, not the word of God, but the word of the government. And this is how they'll sell the one-world government. It's peace on earth, but it's not goodwill. To all men. Jesus did not come to bring peace so that you and your family could all just be so happy at Christmas. If half your family is devil worshipers, you're going to have a miserable time at Christmas. Because anyone who is not for Jesus is not for you. So watch this today. Watch, are you ready? I did not come to be peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a. This is the beautiful baby Jesus that loves everybody. And now we've got a scripture where Jesus is saying, I came to bring a sword? That's a shocker, right? Some of y'all are shocked right now. You're like, well, I don't even know if I should celebrate Christmas now. I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't know if I should get divorced. 
marriage doesn't matter anymore. I just, what, what's happening? Should I even have family? I quit family. I'm done. Y'all hang in there, okay? Let's find the context here. Don't, don't jump to conclusions. He said, I came to bring a sword. Let's find out what he means. I have come to set a man, to set apart, to set a man against his father. Now, that doesn't mean that he came here so that we would never have good relationships with our father. He said, I came here because I knew that you would choose me, and that would put an issue between you and your earthly fathers. Because if you choose me, your earthly father who doesn't agree with me will talk you out of it, and he'll begin to hate you and be mad at you because you're choosing me, and now he's jealous and angry and mad because you left him and the heritage and the family to choose me. There are earthly fathers out there that don't want you to be a Christian. And here's what they say to you. If you're going to go down to that church, you ain't my child. There are many men who have said that to their wives. Are you going to church? You might as well just, just you know, forget about me then. you got to choose, Jesus or me. Y'all know I'm talking the truth today. Y'all know that's what people say. They say, you go ahead and choose. You're dating somebody at church. This is what happens before you get married. You're like, oh, I love you. You're so sweet. I want to be with you, and, but I'm a Christian, and you're not. And they're like, you got to make your mind up. Is either Jesus or me? And I'm like, Okay, bye, Felicia. I'm gone. I'm out, all right? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be with you. I'm not with you. It's over. It's done. I'm going to choose Jesus. Y'all know people will put you on the spot like that. Y'all don't act like this is a crazy scripture. That We understand what's happening here. He said, I didn't come here so that everybody could just be getting along, and you can be an atheist, and you can be a Christian, and you guys all just hang out with each other. So, so y'all hang with me here. Here we go. He said, he said it's not about father, to get peace with the father. A daughter against her mother? A daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law? That makes more sense. <laughs> it's all right. You can laugh a little bit. Let all that stress out. Oh, good. He's, he's back to being funny a little bit. Ooh. It's getting a little, little tense in here. You okay, sis? Make sure. I don't know if I offended her. I was making sure. She's like, Mom, you still love me? <laughs> Pastor said we're not supposed to be a family anymore. <laughs> that was perfect timing, sister. Thank you. All right, verse 36, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And a man's enemies will be the bo those of his household. I love that Jesus warned us that you're going to try to live for God and your biggest issues are going to come from those who are in your house. Can I say it like this? From those in your garden. Let me say it like this. It's going to come from Adam or Eve. Don't you blame everything on the devil. The devil whispers, but we give in. So let's go back to the first family, can we? Let's go back to the first time there was a big mistake and a big problem where somebody didn't choose God. They chose to listen to their wife. this Valentine's weekend a bad time talking about stuff like this? Is this next week, Pastor? Now, y'all know how I teach it. Adam messed up too. Adam messed up too. Y'all know how I teach it. But, but let me show you something the Lord showed me today, literally before church. He showed me that the first, the first issue was a family issue. Not having unity in the home caused problems in salvation. Follow me right now? 
Now watch me. You're going to find out the second sword in a second. The first sword. What happened after they were kicked out of the garden because they didn't have good family? What happened? They were kicked out of the garden, and an angel is dispatched with a... And what was the purpose of the angel with the fiery sword? To disconnect them from God. Am I in the Bible? The purpose of the first sword was to say, I'm too holy. You can't live that way and be with me. The purpose of the first sword was to cut, disconnect, separate people from God. But Jesus said, in case you're wondering what kind of sword I have, I have the kind of sword that doesn't separate people from me. I have the kind of sword that separates people to me. Let it sink in for a second. The first sword's job was to cut away anything that wasn't wanting to be with God, and everybody lost hope. But Jesus came and said, that won't work anymore. I did not come to bring a sword to keep you away from me. I came to bring a sword that will keep you close to me. I got a word for somebody right now. He still uses swords, but not to cut you out, but to cut everything that is not of God out of your life. Whether it's your mother or your father or your wife or your husband or your kids. He said, I came to make sure that nothing separates us. Because if there had been a sword in the first family, there wouldn't have had to have been a fiery sword. If there had been a sword with Adam and Eve, if there had been a sword where God stepped in and said, don't you let that woman talk you out of your blessing. Don't you let her steal your life. Don't you let that man mess you up. Don't you listen to the voice of that enemy. Jesus came to bring a sword, y'all. And the Holy Ghost sent me to tell you this today. The second sword is not always easy to have, but the second sword is the guaranteed way to make sure that you make it to heaven and make sure that you can walk with Jesus, that nobody can trip you up or stumble you. The devil's lied to you saying you need to be married. You don't need to be married. The devil's lied to you and said you need to have a good marriage to go to heaven. It's a lie. Some of your spouses may never, ever submit or bow a knee to Jesus, but you can still make it. You can still be saved. He did not come here to bring everybody all together. He came here to bring you all to him. He came here to bring you to him. He lost you once. He doesn't want to lose you again. He lost you once. He doesn't want to lose you again. And he doesn't understand how you would choose a mere mortal over him. He doesn't understand why you'd choose the devil. Somebody say the second sword. I got to tell you the last thing the second sword does. Are you ready? I have to tell you this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper 
even dividing asunder, apart. Somebody say apart. Y'all seeing what's happening here? Another dependency on Jesus. Another separation from the things of the world. Even dividing asunder the spirit and the... I thought they were the same. No, they're not the same. Let me tell you real quickly what the soul is. The soul is, I just feel like they don't like me. I just I feel like giving up. I'm just going through a tough time mentally. That's your soul. It's your feelings. I just don't know if I'm going to come back to church. I just uh, don't know if I should go to the altar and pray today. I just, uh, the word of God is a sword. And the sword's job is to cut you, your thoughts, your ideas, and separate them from God's thoughts, God's ways, God's ideas. Once again, you find yourself having to lean on Jesus and not even yourself. He said, I came with a sword to cut anything out that will stop you from leaving the garden again. I came to cut anything out that will be in the way. I lost you one time. I won't lose you again. I lost you one time because of family, but I'm your father. I lost you one time because of your family. I won't do it again. I lost you one time because of the voice of the enemy. I won't do it again. I'm giving you every sword that you need to separate everything out of the way. I did not come here so you could choose your wife over me. I did not come here so you could choose your family over me. I didn't come here so you could choose family stuff over church stuff. I got to be with family. I got to be with family. I'm called to my family. No, you're not. God, help us. The devil will use family events. To keep us disconnected from the king. The best testimony for my family. I'm sorry, I can't go. You know I go to church on Sundays. We've all been going to church on Sundays. It's been how we've been doing it for a long time. I'm sorry. And if you're out of town, thank you all for going to church when you're out of town. That's what you need to do. That's good. Visit your family, go to their church, that's good. But here's what's happening in the last days. The devil is trying to sneak here and use all kinds of things. Well, you know, I would be okay, but my marriage is... It's a family. I got, I got a family. No, no, no. Jesus said, I did not come to bring everybody together kumbaya. I didn't come to get you in a circle. I came to bring you all to me. And the only unity we'll ever have in our family is when we're all bowing at the same cross. I just want everybody in my family to get along. Then you got to get everybody in your family to bow a knee at the same cross, uh, to have their, their confession before the same Savior. The only way to get the family unified is to have the family come to Jesus uh, on their own one at a time. You can't make them. You can't make them. But if everybody will find their way to Jesus, everybody can be unified together. Let's all stand in this place. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, brother, hey, sister. Use a gender-appropriate term. Say, hey, brother, hey, sister. Say, you're my family. You're my family. Tell them, you're my family. You're my family. Hey, we ain't dismissed yet. There's doors flying everywhere. You're my family. I'm not preaching against seeing family. I'm telling you, 
that the enemy has lied to us so much that now you can find all kinds of reasons to not be connected to God. And we justify these reasons with good things. You know, it's his family. I got to be with my family. He said, I did not come to let you rub shoulders with people who are not with me. I did not come to give you the power so you could spend time not with me. I did not come to anoint you so you could not want to be in prayer. So you could not want to be. I did everything I did. I came because I lost you once in the garden and I refused to lose you again. I lost you once before because there wasn't a sword to separate you from that, that wife or that husband that said, don't even go. I'm going to go. If you go to that Pentecostal church, you can, you can forget about coming home. Then don't go home. That's, that's the old-fashioned gospel right there. What will I do? Good question. What will you do? You'll step out by faith, and you only have one coat. You don't have any money in your purse. You don't know where you're going to get your next meal because... I'm with Jesus. He's all I've got. Not so bad when you have Jesus, is it? He'll provide everything for you. Do not let there be anything keep you from Jesus, not even your loved ones. Not a man, not a woman, not a relationship. Let nothing separate us from the love of God. Let nothing come between us. We lost him once. We can't lose him again. Need every wife in this place to make up your mind. If my husband doesn't live for God, I'm living for God. Well, pastor, he'll beat me. Then get out of the house. Separate yourself from him. Pray for him. Let no man give up his walk with God because his wife is not right. No excuses. Let none, none take us away from Jesus. Give up your family for Jesus today. Give up your relationship for Jesus today. Watch him work when you put him first. And you say, you do what you want to do, I'm going to church. You do what you want to do, I'm having prayer in my bedroom today. You go ahead and get mad at me for speaking in tongues at home. You go ahead and get mad at me. Go ahead and turn up your volume. Go ahead and kick on your TV. You do what you want to do, but I'm serving God. I know you're going to try to disown me and separate me, and you're going to try to do all that stuff. I'll take that punishment. He said, I did not come. So you'd have it easy. I came to make sure you'd have me. If you have Jesus, you've got everything. If you have Jesus, you have everything. Can we lift up our hands right now in this place? Come on, Abraham, can you give up Isaac? If God asked you to, would you do it? Come on, Abraham, can you give up Isaac? If God said, give it up, would you? Some of you, your relationships are not about the love you have for them. It's the love you have for yourself. You, you, you really love you a lot. That's why you don't want to give them up because they serve you. But you've got to let God be everything to you. God, Jesus is everything to me. 
I don't have nobody to go on a date with on Monday night. It's okay. Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, God. Oh, God. We will not give into that spirit. We will not get distracted in the last days. I will not let my family destroy my walk with God. I will not let the people I live with control me because they pay the bills. I won't let the people I work with take my money away because they pay my bills. I refuse to let anything steal my walk with Jesus. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I must be right with Jesus. I walk with you. I, I'm independently with you, Jesus. I walk in the Spirit. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Oh, I need you, Lord. I'd love to see somebody just step out from where you are and say, hey, I love your family, but I'm going to go down to the front today, and I'm going to get my life right with God. You do what you want to do, but I'm going to make sure I'm right with Jesus. I'd love to see somebody walk down here and say, you know what? I can't keep being like y'all. I've got to have a walk with God. I don't care about my heritage. I don't care about the get-togethers. I care about my walk with him. I'm going to be right with him. I'm going to be provided by him. I'm going to be close to him. He came to separate me to him. And from anything that's in the way, get out the way. Cut it out of your life. You will not distract me. You will not make me be lost in the name of Jesus. I've seen family cause more problems for people's salvation. Sometimes you've got to let them go and say, I love you, but I love Jesus more. That's the only way to win your spouse is to say, I love Jesus more. Paul said you can win the lost spouse by letting Jesus bless your life. And the character of Jesus in your spirit is the best way to win your spouse to Jesus. Put Jesus first and let everything else be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. Clothing and food, relationships and love, everything else will come. If you seek Jesus, if you seek Jesus. Oh, you're first. You're first. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Neither height nor depth, nor things from the past or things to come or rulers, or principalities, who shall separate me from the love of God? Oh! Oh, yeah. Come on, he will take care of you. He will supply your every need. He will provide for you when everybody else has disowned you. Don't let your spouse talk you out of it. Don't let them be the reason you don't come back to church next Sunday. Don't ask them if they want to come back to church. You do what the Holy Ghost says to do. 
You have a pastor even if you're the only one in your family that has a pastor. I love you, but Jesus' ways are first. God will anoint you. God will let you bless your family. God will use you to bless your marriage. God loves you. He will not destroy your family. He will use you as a tool to bring your family to God. There will not be hate for your family. There will be love for your family. When Christ is first, love is your ambition. No matter what they do, I'm with you, Jesus. Come on, that's it, men. No matter what your wife does, you pray. No matter how much she worships, you have a prayer life. That's it, guys. No matter whether she loves God or not, you don't let her determine it. Because there's a second sword. The second sword divides you from the things that keep you from God. I came here to keep you with me. Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. The war is to keep you from the distractions. The war is to keep you from the things that pull you out. I already lost you once. Jesus doesn't want to lose us again.